Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Welcome to Milestone Church, everybody. How you doing? Hey. We're so glad that you're here today, whether you're in Keller, you're joining us online, or if you're in Hazlitt, McKinney, maybe watching at a later date, you're here for a reason. It's not just a random Sunday that you've chosen to be here. Maybe someone invited you, or you drove by, saw the church, or just something spoke to your heart, or maybe it was God speaking to your heart. It's time to get back in church, so we're so glad that you're here with us today, and I haven't met you yet. My name is Drew Wynn. I'm the family pastor here at Milestone Church, and all that simply means is me and the team that I get to work with can do anything that we know how to do to help you and your kids learn to love Jesus. And as I say that, maybe you're thinking, you don't even look old enough to have a family. Okay, that's valid. I can't grow a beard. Don't hold it against me. It's all right. But I am in my 30s. I do have a family. I've been married for 12 years. My family's on the screen right now. We just celebrated 12 years, two weeks. So you clap about that. Yeah. We have three kids. I've got a 10-year-old, Willow. She loves lacrosse and sports and all sorts of fun TV shows and art. And she's just all about it. Classic firstborn. My second, Maxwell, he's seven years old and his name serves him well. Everything he does is to the max and he's a party all the time, we love him. And we said in our family, we don't have favorites but we do have Goldie and she is our youngest. <laughs> she, uh, she turned four this past Thursday and that's my family. That's uh, one, that's proof I'm not lying to you. <laughs> but two, we're raising our family. We're building our family, our lives in the very same church that you're building your life. Our kids, they're in Milestone Kids right now with your kids in the same small groups, in the same theaters, learning from the same awesome volunteers that we have in our kids' ministry. You know, I love our church has this amazing vision statement, reaching people, building lives, but the unofficial third statement to that is raising up the next generation. Oh, we love young people here. We love young people because God loves young people. God loves your family. He knows your family. He cares about your family. The amount of time, resources, intentionality, prayer that goes into investing, raising up kids, youth and elevate on Wednesday night, the retreats, the camps, milestone young adults, everything that we can do so young people would know who Jesus is from a young age and follow him the entirety of their lives. That's my favorite part about our church. It's not just for one generation, but it's for all generations. And this was shown recently in this awesome series that we just wrapped up called Unshakable. It was a series all about finding safety and security in the kingdom of God. And last week, Pastor Jeff preached a brilliant message all about seeing the kingdom of, kingdom of God in your family. All families should watch, watch this, but if you're a young family, I would especially encourage you Watch it again if you already saw it. If you didn't, find it on YouTube. God has a plan for how you can build your family God's way on his promise, on his truth. And it was a church-wide series. We did it from kids to youth to all of us like in the worship center and at campuses. And we talked to the same scriptures, study the same things each and every week. And we heard a story this week of a, something that happened in the Jones family. 
one of the core families in our church, an amazing, amazing family, and their son Hayes had a rough week. He had some things that they were walking through and they find themselves in a scary spot that you never wanna be in, but he had to go to the hospital for some things and he's doing great, he's out of the hospital, he's doing fine right now. But in the midst of all of that, the one request that he asked his parents to bring was his Bible and his kid's unshakable guide to the hospital with him. And I just wanna show a video of, of him talking a little bit about how this has affected his life. Okay, what does Hebrews 12, 28 say? We are receiving that gate, that's a kingdom that cannot be shaken, so let us be thankful and, and <laughs> you did great, bub. You got the most important part because our kingdom cannot be shaken because who is in control of our kingdom? God. Yes, he is. Come on, can we give it up for Hayes Jones? <laughs> He's a hero to me, but what he was saying, he was reciting a scripture, Hebrews 12, 28. It was the foundational scripture in that series. And I just love that as a young person, when life can get scary, God's word comes out. He can stand with his family, and that's the heart that we have for you and your family. You know, for this Palm Sunday, we've created a family devotional just like we did for that Unshakable series because we want to partner with you to help you be the hero of your home. It's called The Journey to Easter, and it's just a, a brief overview of Palm Sunday, Holy Week, and Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. Why we do this, it's very simple. It's not a 20-minute devotional every night, but it's, it's a tool to help you have a conversation with your kids, to help you connect your heart with your kid's heart and the heart of your family to the vision that God has for you and your family. So today, as you pick your kids up in Milestone Kids, wherever you're at today, you're gonna get one of these as you pick them up. If you're a grandparent or you have kids on your street or a neighbor or anything, you can grab as many copies of this as you like at our kids' check-in, at our info center. You can grab a million if you want. We, have, we literally have millions of copies right here. You thought we were building a new building for kids. No, it's just for this poster. You can grab millions of these. You can hustle them on school lines or whatever you wanna do. Um, and if you're online, it's downloadable. You can print it right where you're at right now. It's on Milestone Kids or milestonechurch.com slash kids right there. And we would love for you to walk through that this week. This weekend is significant because there are billions of people right now around the world reflecting upon, remembering, and celebrating Palm Sunday. It's much bigger than us just in this room or the campus that you're at. We are in unison with the body of Christ, celebrating what Jesus did thousands of years ago. How Palm Sunday sets in effect a series of events that changes everything on Easter Sunday for us. And if you're sitting here and you're like, well, what is Palm Sunday? What does it mean? Why is it important to me? That's a totally fair thing to think because for a large portion of my life, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't go to church until I was 18 years old. I didn't know anything about all of the traditional religious things, but my heart for you and my goal for you today is not just help you understand what Palm Sunday is, but why it matters to you and your family. And you can open your Bibles up right now to Matthew chapter 21, verse eight through 11. And as you are turning to that, I just wanna give you a little bit of context of what we're about to read. See, before we read the scripture, context of the day is there are 
thousands upon thousands of people that are making the journey back to Jerusalem, preparing to celebrate Passover. This marking holiday and moment in the Jewish faith where, where they're remembering God's faithfulness to them. But there's also another group of people that are all traveling to Jerusalem right now because they've heard about what Jesus has done, but especially what happened with Lazarus, his friend, raised him from death to life. So just imagine, the streets are filled with people ready in anticipation for what's gonna happen. So Jesus, right before the scripture that we read, he takes two of his disciples and says, hey, guys, go to the village just ahead, go get a donkey, untie him, bring him back to me because I'm gonna need that donkey. And if anybody stops you, tell them the Lord needs this. So that's exactly what they do. They bring back the donkey and he rides in on the donkey. And here's where we pick up in Matthew chapter 21, verse eight through 11. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. While others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, in Galilee. So what's happening here is Jesus, this is his triumphal entry. He rides in on a donkey. Why, you ask? Because, come on, if it were us, like give me like a bald eagle and a flag, like America, let's roll. Maybe a lion or something cool, but a donkey, why? It's an animal that's a symbol of peace and he rides in and people, they're waving palm leaves. They're saying, Hosanna, that this... This word that means save us or save now because they're expectant of this man to come to, to change their lives, to change everything about him. And he's declaring for the very first time that he is the king and all eyes are watching. A modern version, and I know it doesn't mean as much, but just imagine, just real quick, that this coming season, the Dallas Cowboys just started dominating <laughs> People are like, yeah, we're in church, but not that much faith, bro. <laughs> but I just mean like every week, just man, it's 16 and 0, we go to the playoffs, dominate everybody, win the Super Bowl. Everybody who even knows where Dallas is on a map would just travel back in. I mean, flights are sold out, can't get a, res can't, can't get a reservation, hotels are booked. I mean, just like people are just walking, riding bikes, getting a scooter, an Uber, whatever it is, just to, just to get a glimpse of the team riding in a caravan. It's like that, but these people have been waiting hundreds of years for this to happen. And Jesus writes in, and that's why they were just celebrating out of their minds what was happening. He's here, the king is here. And it's the first of a series of events over Holy Week that culminates in Easter Sunday. It's the highest of highs. The, the lowest of lows, but what this all means to you and me is what Jesus declared that first Palm Sunday thousands of years ago. I want you to write this down. Jesus is king and God sent him to rescue us. Jesus is king and God sent him to rescue us. He's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords, he's the king of the big things, the king of the small things, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. But my favorite thing about Jesus is he wants to be a personal king to you and to me. 
He's a king that knows us. He can be the king of your family. He's a king that will be there at any moment. He's a king that has a listening ear. He's not this too large for life king that backs up and closes the door and he's in a palace and behind a moat with guards with his drawbridge up waiting for the right press op time to come out so all eyes can see, make his appearance publicly and just go back to his quarters. That's not his heart for you. His heart for you is the king that knows your anxiety. He's the king that knows your worry. He's the king that knows your family. He's the king that knows your prayers. He's the king that knows your name. He's the king that wakes up with you in the morning. He's the king that has a listening ear when you pray. He's a king that walks with you. So how does Palm Sunday, now that we know what it is, what does it mean to us? Well, Palm Sunday is a picture of the rescue that God has to offer us. Next thing I want you to write down is we need to be rescued. We need to be rescued. From what, Drew? The next thing you write down is we can be rescued from sin. If we need to be rescued, the first and foremost thing we can be rescued from because of Jesus it's sin. It's this eternal rescue. See, the people of the day, when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, he was on that donkey. They were waving the palm leaves. Their expectation of the king to come in was for him to remove the people that were in charge and to raise up a new team of people to change the government, to be a political leader, maybe a military leader, to have a forceful hand, to take people out, to raise new ones up so their daily lives would change, so the oppression would be over, to, to help God's people. But see, the expectation that Jesus had the king that he was gonna be that day was not to ride in to remove people, but he was riding in to include all people. He wanted for Jew, for Gentile, for those who go to church, for those far away from church. He rode in not to take people out, but he rode in to remove the one obstacle that separates us from a holy, perfect, righteous God. What is that? Sin. Sin is this archery term. When you, when you draw back the arrow, you let it go, it hits the bullseye, that's perfect. But everything else, sin, misses the mark. The Bible tells us in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I looked at every commentary, Google search, every smart person that's way smarter than me to try to get the original language of what all means in that scripture. And wherever I look, it means all. That's you and that's me. It's hoping there was another way around it. So if God's telling us we have this sin issue that separates us from God, when he wrote in, he knew he was gonna pay for that. The people's expectation was for him to take over. But what they didn't realize is yes, he would, but by giving his life as the worthy sacrifice for your sin and for mine. You know, this, this is something that ref affects every single person because if you and I have sin in our lives, then, then there's an issue that we need to take care of. And if we're to be honest in church today, we all have a, maybe like a mini version of how we've taken care of that. Maybe it's a career, you want to achieve certain things that makes you feel good and you can buy the stuff to give you the options and it kind of fills that hole and satisfies you for a while. 
if maybe it's a couple of months or a couple of years, a couple of decades go by, but you're still, you're just, as you lay just down on the pillow at night, you just, I, I just don't, I, I thought it'd be different. Or maybe once you had the family and the kids and you got the car, you got them in the right schools, helped your kids build the right resume, they got it, and all of this, it's just, I, I don't, I thought it'd be better than this. See, what you and I are trying to fill is this hole in our soul, and it's not in the shape of a dollar bill, not in the shape of a school building, not in the shape of an achievement. The shape that we're trying to fill is the shape of the cross that can only be filled by Jesus. See, this became all too real for me as a young person. You know, growing up, I grew up in DFW, and I've been here my whole life. I love this area. I love that so many people are moving here, but this has been home for me. I've seen it all change, and I love it. I grew up in a family that was great. They immigrated from Vietnam in the mid-70s. I'm the youngest of seven, half-siblings, crazy family tree. It's more like a family bush. Maybe I got some people like that with me too. But just growing up, we weren't really religious, didn't have a whole lot of just expertise in anything, but I did just try to be a good person, live morally, do the right thing, right? Heard the golden rule, treat others how you wanna be treated. Tried my best at that. Just grew up in a normal household, my mom, my dad, trying their best, classic American dream, building a family business, all of this type of stuff. But everything changed when I was 15 years old, almost 16. Their marriage wasn't perfect, they had some issues, I saw that, but you just think it's normal. But it all just came to a head, the summer going into my sophomore year of high school, and my mom's just broken, and dad just broken, and they just told me, hey son, it's not gonna work out. They got divorced. And I know I'm not the only one that's walked through this type of story, but man, at 15, 16 years old, everything was shaking for me. I lost my confidence. I now became like the man of the house, trying to burden a weight that my shoulders are way too small to carry. My dad ended up moving back to Vietnam. He left. So just me and my mom trying to figure out life, we... It's tough. High school kid, just trying to walk through and figure out some things and just doing what a high school kid would do, looking for answers with those people and those places on those Friday nights with those things. Again, leading every single time to a place that is empty and worse off than I started off. But at 18 years old, it was the last semester of my senior year in high school, I walk into a church because we had tried everything. Never been to church though. I knew of church, my friends invited me to church and I went to a thing or two, but never really paid attention to it. But I just walked in and it was just different. People were so nice. Like they just welcomed me 19 times from my car to the door. <laughs> like you want some coffee? No bro, I'm 18, I don't drink coffee. I got energy, I'm cool. And we go in and it was nice enough. My mom fell in love with it and just being a mama's boy, we kept coming back, coming back, coming back, coming back. I was skeptical, whatever it was. But there were people that would just talk with me. They remember my name and knew the sports that I played and just asked how I was doing. And, and it was one Sunday morning, the preacher talked about a scripture in Psalms, Psalm 68, talked about God as the father to the fatherless, the defender of widows. He sets the lonely in families. That's all I had to hear. Me losing my dad, not knowing what to do, looking for answers, just trying to be a man, but not knowing how to be one. Looking to the ultimate example in Jesus, how he gave his life for me. I'm like, hey, sign, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. Just 
bow the knee to Christ. I want all of that, God. And on that day at 18 July, I bowed the knee to Christ. I was baptized several weeks later. And I've just been on a rocket ship with God. He's changed and transformed me from the inside out. That's the eternal rescue that we talk about. We need rescue, but we need rescue from sin. If you haven't made that choice yet, well, man, it's a real good time. Maybe it's today, maybe it's this Easter season, but don't take another step and live another day without answering who is Jesus to you. So I love that, that Jesus offers us this rescue from sin. And if that was all he did one time and gave us a ticket to heaven, that'd be more than enough. But he's so good, he sees it fit to walk with us daily. And this is the next thing I want you to write down. We can be rescued daily. We can be rescued daily. Have you ever been in a situation where you just felt like you're way over your head and you just needed some help? Great, one honest person in the room, that's me, cool. <laughs> Would you ever find yourself in a situation where it's like, what is happening? I, I need help, SOS, 911, help me. Everybody thinks they know what to do until like reality gets there. For me and my wife, we got married at 23, she was 21, pretty young, but we became parents pretty quick too. 25 and 23 for her, our firstborn, Willow, and like, you know, just preparing for a baby. There's like books you read, there's classes, you could take, right? I mean, not really for me, but for her, great. And there's all this stuff that like you'd learn to do and you read the blogs and you watch YouTube videos, everybody has an opinion on Instagram. We're just trying to figure this thing out. And I'm just like, man, I got like a master's degree in what everybody else thought, how you could raise a kid and all of these things that you're doing. But when the baby gets there, it's like, okay, gotta change the first diaper. This baby poops. Oh, okay, cool. I will brag on myself with this. I can swaddle a baby. I have loved burritos my whole life. So, hey man, I wish somebody's baby wouldn't need a swaddle. Sleep tight, night, night. But there's just a bunch of stuff. I remember they handed us the baby and Willow and Max and Golden for just each one. And it's just like a surreal moment when they put the baby in the car. And it's like, you gonna trust us with this? <laughs> You're going home and then it's like the first night, there's the feedings and all of that stuff. And it's like, it's real when, they, like, when it's game time, right? And I just remember one night, you know, it's a blur the first several weeks. I'm trying to help Aubrey with the feeding. I learned how to do the diaper. I do the swaddling. We got our routine. I'm trying to help all of this. And the feeding was kind of new to me. But I was like, man, I know how to do all this. Just, it's a bottle with some milk in it. You eat it. Cool. It's great. We can get it done quick, Aubrey. You're taking like 15 minutes. I can do this in eight. Watch. So it was like the middle of the night feeding, and we're going. I take the bottle. We warm it up. I do not microwave it, by the way. So it's like a bottle warmer. Like you sit it in there. It's warm. It's time to go. You test it on your wrist. Cool. Okay, great. I didn't do that, but cool. Awesome. So then you hold Maxwell, right? And I'm feeding him. I'm like, man, psh, it ain't going to take 15 minutes. This boy is fat. He's killing this thing. I love it. You're a man of God. You can, you can do this. Let's get back to bed by 3.30. It's 3.23. We can do this right now. Middle of the night, just me and him. I'm coaching, I'm encouraging him right here, trying to build him up in the ways of God. You don't have to wait to be great. You can be a great kid. <laughs> we're going. He chugs this whole bottle down. He absolutely killed. I'm like, yeah, oh, we did it. Seven minutes. And I'm like, you know, we got a burp afterwards. You need to burp. And he's going, he's burp. 
Bert was like, whoa. What happened next is in this picture right here. I'm like, help, help, what is happening? That was not a burp. Max threw up all over me. I like scream, I'm waking up Aubrey because you don't need sleep anymore. We're up now. I was like, what, what? She's like, well, did you burp? I'm like, clearly. Like, well, how? I was like, well, eight ounces, it's late. I'm trying to get back in bed, I'm trying to crush this. You're laughing at me, you know, this is awesome. Well, he drank all the aid and then I burped him and he threw up on me and she just starts laughing maniacally. I'm just like, no, it's like an ounce or two and then you flip them over and burp and then an ounce or two and flip them over and burp and then like slowly but surely so it doesn't all come out. I'm like, oh. When listening when you told me how to do that. She even labeled all the bottles for me and stuff. <laughs> See, it's so funny. such an innocent situation. Like you would assume, like I'm a dad. Of course I know how to do this. Of course I've got the goods to, like, of course I can take care, of course I could do it. As funny as that story is, if I'm honest, there's situations in my life and maybe if we can be honest in this room, we can walk into certain situations that on paper, it's like, oh, yes, of course. I know how to do this. It's simple, it's easy. I've seen other people do it. But in our heart of hearts, right, it's just like, ah, and we just, we just go for it. Sometimes it works out, and sometimes life throws back up on us. See, it's in those moments that we don't have to walk this life out alone. There's, there's someone who stands closer than a brother. There's someone who knows the innermost desires of your heart. There's someone who gave his life for you. There's a Holy Spirit that guides you, the giver of life, that can show you, that can speak to your heart, that can... That, that can show you, hey, this is what you may wanna do next or a warning side of maybe you would just step away from that situation, step away from that relationship. We can invite Jesus into our life and things can change. See, I know that we all live in the same world because I looked at our prayer request of our church, the prayer request that you turn in. The top three prayer requests that we have as a church are, number one, it has to do with family or relational pain or it's a child. This is where I live. You're praying that a child would come back to the ways of God. Or maybe it's a child that lives 25 feet down the hallway, but they might as well be 2,500 miles across the planet because you're on two different worlds right now. You come home and you walk across and you pass each other by in the kitchen and you linger for the conversation, but it just doesn't come. Those are the prayer requests that we see. Maybe it's in a marriage. You don't know how you got here. Never thought it'd be you, but you're asking that God would have his healing touch, his restorative hand in your marriage. This is where I'm at. Prayers for my family, that my children would follow God from a young age, that they would grow in his ways and know to love him for extended family, that they would find their way to God, that he would speak to them for family relationships, nephews. Those are the ones that I turn in. Two is prayers for physical healing. It's a diagnosis that you got, or it's a situation that's not looking good that God would have his healing hand for you. The Bible says that he's the great physician. Everything can change. He can surround you with the right 
medical team and those are things that you're submitting to God. The last one, number three, is for provision or the right next step, maybe a job transition, something like that. What I love is as I read these, they're heartbreaking, but the vein in all of them is we're inviting God in for his daily rescue. We're inviting God in for him to walk with us. We're inviting God in for his hand to move. We're inviting God in to help us. See, this is where the daily rescue, it changes everything. I don't know how he does it, but he hears all of our prayers and he hears each of our prayers. He loves it when you pray and he hears you. See, Jesus is our king. God sent him to rescue us. We need to be rescued. So here's the good news. Last thing I want you to write down today is God has a rescue plan. God has a rescue plan. His rescue plan is is simple, but it is massively effective. What's his plan? It's you and it's me. God's rescue plan is his church. Church is a building and it's beautiful. I'm partial to this one. It's absolutely amazing, all of our campuses, but church is the people as well. His rescue plan is carried out through the people who have been changed and transformed by Jesus Christ. Maybe you're thinking, oh, that's not for me, Drew. It's funny for you to say that. You're a pastor, you got a little pocket square. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's what you do, that's what you get paid to do. You're a professional Christian, but the great thing about God is he levels the playing field. Any one of us who has had eternity changed, our heart transformed, we have the ability and he invites us in to participate in this plan. What he says in Matthew 28 to his disciples, verse 19 and 20, is the very same thing he still says to us. He says, therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We have a role to play in this rescue plan. You know, it's powerful when we see why we were created. That's powerful when we know that, that the Holy Spirit walks with us where we go. That he's not asking you, to set up more appointments or different things to do. What he's asking you to do is to maybe walk wherever you go with a different purpose in mind, with a different perspective in mind. And I was so encouraged this week because I got a text from a friend named Cody that's in my 301 group. My, well, actually, my group's sitting right here. Everybody say, what's up, 301 group right here. They're awesome, all 14 of them. I love that they're here. And if you've never been to 301, go to 301. It's incredible. Why? Because you get to meet others, learn the values of our church, but we can't do this life alone. If his rescue plan is God's people, let's get to know some of God's people. And Cody sent me a text, or sent our guys in this group a text, just saying, hey, today I've been praying that God would just help me see differently. And he's an owner operator of a couple of gyms, and he sent this long text to our group. You know, that could be a very good thing or a not so good thing, right? So we read this text and it was amazing. He's like, man, we just had church in the gym. I walked in and just asked that God would give me an opportunity. And I do my same routine. I check on the contractors, making sure that we're on schedule to open up this gym. But today was different. We got to talk about our testimony, talk about the things of God. Looked up a couple hours later and I'm praying for all these guys. How powerful is that? That when you and I, just regular people, go throughout our day, but not only just us, it's with God. 
that when you go to the pickup line at school, who you park next to, or whoever you know already, you can have a word or a conversation with them. When you go to the sports field, maybe just in a couple of moments after church today, you can do it with a different purpose, with a life and a heart to encourage everybody around us. When we pray and we ask God, would you open my eyes so I could see, open my ears so I could hear, open my heart so I could feel what you want me to feel and be sensitive to the plan that he has around you, because you are the walking rescue plan of God. Wherever you go, he goes and everything can change. What if you and I saw that? And this is not a, hey, you better go do this. You've never, like, this is not a voice of condemnation. But what I think this is, is awakening where your heart is already at. I believe your heart has a desire to help people know who Jesus is. And there's so many ways to do that. If you're an extrovert, if you love talking to people, then go talk to people. If you're an introvert, you're like, oh man, there's no way. Hey, I get it. Grab a yard sign, get a flyer. Actually, grab like 10 yard signs. Just put them all in your neighbor's yards. <laughs> See what happens. I promise you're going to have a conversation. <laughs> but you give a flyer out, send an encouraging text. But do what you can do to show the love of God to others. Because every single day, he's bringing rescue to his people. Every single week. He remembers and he invites us to be a part of that. There's nothing or no one he can't rescue. You know, I told a story of being a young dad, and that's pretty significant to me because, one, being a dad's a big deal. But even since I was a kid, especially with the complicated history of my dad, I just, there's three things I wanted to be when I grew up. I just want to be a good man, a good husband, and a good dad. And you know, it's been a complicated relationship, but since 18, when God eternally rescued me, rescued me from sin, he's put me on this path of forgiveness just to heal that relationship with my dad. And about 25 years old, me and him got to have a pretty poignant conversation. I didn't talk to him for years. We got to have a poignant conversation where I just, it's like, dad, I'm tired of, I'm I'm tired of being angry with you. I love you, dad. I want you to be my dad. I wanna be your son. I want you to know my kids. I want our life to be together. And he still lived in Vietnam and he still does today. And, but it's just a conversation over FaceTime and I'm weeping and he's weeping. And I just told him I'm sorry for being so angry and I told him I forgave him and I just, the best I could, I tried to hug him through the phone. And that conversation about 25, 26 years old for me just set up this routine where He would FaceTime my kids, and we just started slowly but surely. But if I'm honest with you, I'm 35 now. Life kind of speeds up. You have a couple of kids, they play a couple of sports. You move a couple of times, and just life happens. And I wasn't angry with my dad or anything, but I just started to become numb towards my dad. Didn't really feel anything. So this year, like in January, I just... I started praying because we do this thing called prepare, where like you fast and you pray, you wanna hear from God. And that was one of the prayer points that I had. And I just thought, God, just help me with my dad. And when you know it, about three weeks ago, it was the most horrific timing. My dad calls me out of the blue. Hey, son, I'm here. So what do you mean you're here? Like I'm in the States, I just landed. Me, my kids, and my wife were on a little spring break getaway. I've been looking forward to this 
for a long time and we're just fishing, hanging out. And somebody, when I get a phone call, it's not convenient. Part of me doesn't even wanna do it. It's like, seriously, this is not what I prayed for. But of course, we cut our trip short and come back home and we drive 45, 50 minutes in traffic across DFW. Depending where you live, that could be two streets over. <laughs> we go have dinner. We sit down. I ask him to bring his new wife. He's got a different life. I'm just sitting there, just talking, memories, joyful ones. It wasn't all bad growing up. I shared stories about how I was and what I did. My kids got to hear it. My wife got to hear it. Cried a little bit. Some regrets that we had. Things we wish would have turned out different. It's a long dinner. It just flew by. For the last 10 minutes of that dinner, I just wanted to make it a point. Just tell him how much I loved him. Dad, I love you. Thank you for blessing my kids. Thank you for calling me when you come in town. Thank you that you brought your wife. I bless her too. Thank you so much for being in my life. I know it's been a long road. I know it was weird. We're not perfect. I know there's a lot of pain there, but look at where we're at today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for saying hi to my kids. Thanks for hugging them. Thanks for loving my wife. Thanks for taking the time to fly across the planet to sit here at this random Chinese restaurant, paying for the tab just to just talk with me. There's nowhere else you wanted to be, but you wanted to be here. Thank you, dad. I love you. This is a picture of how it turned out right here. That's my dad with his ball and gold rim glasses. I don't even know where you get those. Bless him. 78 years old, look at his hair. Looking good for me, I like it. But I share this story and I show you that picture because that's a picture of God's rescue plan. What he can do when we submit the prayers of our heart to God. The beautiful part of that is I didn't get to this spot on my own. The older I get, I know you laugh, I don't have a beard, but just listen to me. The older I get, the older my kids get, the more that I realize the things that are most significant and meaningful in my life come from a commitment to the plan and purpose that God offers to me. Everything that I cherish, everything when I get old that I care about comes from the plan and promise and blessing that God showers upon my life because of a heart to obey and be humble. He leads, I follow. See, God rescued me eternally at 18. He rescues me daily. What he rescued me from in this relationship is a life full of apathy towards my dad. He's brought restoration, love, active love towards him. That's what he's done for me, but the real question is, what does he wanna do for you? What is your situation? It may be a dad relationship, maybe a child relationship, maybe a marriage relationship. I don't know what it is, but I know that God is intensely in tune with the thoughts in your heart and your mind. The next step for you is to invite them in. See, this Palm Sunday, it's not just a holiday for tradition's sake, but this Palm Sunday is deeply real for each of us. He's writing in, he's declaring he's the king. What is our response? Let me pray for you. Father, we love you. Thank you, God.
for everyone that's here. Thank you for your people. Thank you, Lord, that you are king, that you offer eternal and ongoing daily rescue. God, right now, I pray for every area that comes to mind and the people that are listening, that you would touch that area of their life, rescue that area of their life. It is in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.